All right, let's try this one more time. If they don't get it somewhat right the first time, well, fuck, try it again. It's your boy Rocco. King Size Muscle, King Size Muscle 2. Your host of the Neuro Spicy Podcast. Here at local 666-269.com. Indeed, we're just uh, hammering them out left and right these days. It's uh, like the old Buzzcock song, right? Love comes in spurts. <laughs> Definitely much better today. I think putting my cards out on the table and having a wee bit of a confab and dropping the hammer on a few key things. And good news after good news can always put the pep in the step, right? Uh-oh. Bumper, bumper, hifty humper. I'm trying to get around doing this without some kind of compression so I'm not, again, blowing your ear holes out unless I'm doing a DJ set for songs that you would fist fight a Supreme Court <laughs> justice to in a, it, it originally it was a White Castle parking lot and, and I knew a lot of people on the West Coast might not know White Castle I mean maybe if you're a Beastie Boys fan I guess but should I put it down as uh, McDonald's parking lot McDroggles first of course I should have said McDowell's I suppose but yeah it's McDonald's for sure a lot of good tracks in there and it's funny that it it picked up some speed people were sharing the playlist and following the playlist and a lot of it was kind of that heavy sort of 90s new metally punchy up stuff and a couple of other nuggets in there i mean my original answer if, if i had to fight uh mr beer kavanaugh i would want Inagata DeVita at half speed. Should be about, you know, a 50 minute round. I'm pretty sure I could make some hamburger in that length of time. Now, now this other horse shit of people being caught on hot mics who are claiming to having private access to certain SCOTUS justices for prayer sessions. And again, we start getting greasy on the conflict of interest uh, because this particular female pastor is tied to uh, one of the predominant sort of lobbyist think tanks for the evangelical domestic terrorist nationalistic right <laughs> let's call it what it is speaking of which uh, the new documents from the Baptist Southern Baptist Church of incidents is of normally what is reserved for Catholic priests um, in parishes which is of course the usual 
Chester the Mo fucking Lester's up at the pulpit. This fucking document's 250 fucking pages long. It's gonna make the, the spotlight story for the Catholic Church look look pale. And we've known it. We've known it forever. Not just not just Southern Baptists, but many, many different religious sects. And and no no pun on my dropping of the word sect and sex in this case. The continual repression <laughs> of sexuality through the Iron Age Sheepherder's Guide to the Galaxy turns these guys into brownie hounds. Their document has been translated, you know, various times and it's written in such a loose way for interpretation that any narcissist or sociopath or pedophile or con man or whatever else can distort it to their vicious reality and if they've got the gift of, of gab and charm and and the ability to convey the fire and the brimstone I mean you have to wonder why could people follow these morons I mean I, I get inspired quite often by people in their speeches you know I don't necessarily take their fucking mantle up as my own uh, you know, voice of reason. I was talking to my little brain the other day. Not the one in my pants. Uh, <laughs> my my genius kid, you know. He says, uh, we're doing AP European history. And of course, you know, the first part of the exam is like, you know, from like 1450 to about the French Revolution and, and how much religion played in the politics and the shaping of, you know, the Renaissance after the fucking Dark Ages, again with the Catholic Church and the Reformation. And so it's a lot of chunky stuff to go through because not a lot of context for those guys, um, aside from like the, the, the Warring States period of the Shan Dynasty in China, which when they learn their history, they got to go through all these different dynasties, Song and Tong and all these different battles and stuff because they're doing 5,000 years, you know. So for us in America, we do 200, and we can slap on, you know, maybe another 600 for uh, Western European history. And so he's got to learn the cast of characters and so forth. But the first part of it is is the whole religious part. I mean, you can't you can't get over the extensions of, of Western history, even up to modern times, even to where we're at at this very point, without thinking about that context of, of how it's affected so many countries and monarchies and whatnot. One of the conversations that I had with my colleague de Francois, my French colleague at the university at uh, South China, we had one of the largest French departments, uh, but mostly because of this particular colleague and, and they had some pretty good symposiums. The French embassy in Guangzhou was hard-pressed to, to get their consular mission out there. And they made all of us, the rest of us, look like shit. Because, um, you know, if you're an American overseas and you go to your embassy, they might give you a free speech zone or something. But, they, you know, there's, there's nothing there for you guys, really. 
unless it's unless it's a high high asset target that they can develop. For the French, you know, they don't have the benefit of Hollywood, and uh, you know, top forty American top forty music, whatever else, to promote not only their language but sort of their culture. Yeah, you can see French movies, and sometimes they do break through, but. You know, even even among my Chinese students who studied French because we had a huge French department, uh, would go to Ch- go to France because it's you know romantic, right? And like they don't speak English, and I was like, well, even if they do, they don't want to because you know their history with the English and the fact there is some French words or a lot of French words in English. And again, the the concept of those consular missions that are in these different sort of valuable countries you know that's what they're there they're to have a good representation with the you know the local officials and the trade unions and you know just the stuff that the fucking makes the world go around this sort of in geopolitics and so oftentimes uh, even like the british council with their mission with isles the international english language testing system puts them into sort of high target high valuable uh, countries where they want to have connections. But, you know, you have to compromise even in those situations, especially if you're not directly in the consular diplomatic circuit. And so it's, it's kind of a pyramid scheme in some ways that there's a lot of secondary and third, third or tertiary players and even beyond that that be, could be loosely connected to consular missions from different countries. Again, in, in high asset or high valuable high-value countries. Take your pick. And China, uh, Russia, uh, Middle East, you know, any, any place that we sort of need to make sure to have some sort of presence if it's not, if not a military presence, but at least somebody there, right? Okay. So, the concept for my French colleague is, is we would often talk about uh, the, the Enlightenment and the Renaissance. I had a pretty good philosophy class, believe it or not, at Northwest Christian College, where I did my my uh, teaching degree in Eugene. Now it's like it's called Bush Mills or something. I don't know what it's, it's changed its name. I, I was lucky I got in there sort of uh, in a diversity window after they'd gotten sued for being racist. And they had a clean house, and they put in a new staff, and new chaplains, and new presidents. And, and so it was very liberal at that time. And within the two years I was there, of course, that window closed, and the evangelicals came back in, in full force. So I got in and got out at the right time. My philosophy class, uh, again, was just a small cohort. The teacher, maybe three other students. And it was a very sort of uh, Socratic experience where we had the material and we would discuss it. Um, one of my favorite ways of, of, of sort of learning, especially when you work with somebody uh, who does the reading and sees things that you don't see or devotes themselves to the understanding. And one of my co-students, a younger guy, who was also in my TESOL program, uh, a guy named Nick, which I should track down. I haven't thought about him in a while. Um, he had it all down because he did come from out of a religious background, like most of the young students that show up there. Not the, the reprobates like myself that <laughs> need to go back and finish a, a degree. And so, you know, I'm older than 
most of the students. I mean, there's a few adult students, but even older than some of my, my teachers, <laughs> oddly enough. So uh, this kid, Nick, you know, he's like 19 or whatever else, but he had that breakthrough of growing up sort of religious and then then getting somewhat enlightened. And don't confuse that with being woke or all this bullshit language that's going on right now. Enlightened in the sense that realizing that whatever it may be is much larger than we can conceptualize. And so there's no need to codify it or put it into a box like most people do. In Western culture, they put it into a Judeo-Christian box because that's what we're taught or, you know, that's what they're given. Other parts of the country, they put it in sort of different boxes. I just started a, a recent book here about the journey of myth uh, from one of Joseph Campbell's uh, longtime colleagues, a book that he wrote with uh, uh, another amazing uh, female empowerment author and uh you know i picked it up and it's 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 fantastic because of the mythology angle of it the storytelling aspect that, that we need to have for our own lives and even for my students that are doing certain parts of the exam you know i'm always trying to get them to become storytellers and so this is part of the 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 hearth or the cradle of our civilization before the internet and and all this other horseshit that we got going on when we get back to that sort of primate primal stage where entertainment was sitting around the fire and telling ooh 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 ooh, ooh stories I like that classic scene <laughs> with fucking Ringo Starr and Caveman right where they invent music and stuff Back when Dennis Quaid was cool and not a not a right wing asshole. God damn it! <laughs> I, always, I know I should take that personal. So for the French, looking at the European history of enlightenment, of, of coming up with this idea that our founding fathers also brought with them, you know, being Masons and so forth, Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, Washington. So they, they did practice some sort of esoteric um, rituals. And, and, it, and it's no big secret. There's not a big conspiracy about it, whatever else. You have to frame it sort of through the, the eyes of a historian. One, you're going to look at it somewhat chronologically as to the best that we know. Then you're also going to think about maybe the context of the situation. Um, and then you might look at sort of the causality of what happened, how it's connected. Which reminds me of the, of the Burke series that was on PBS when we were younger called Connections, which was fucking fabulous. And they did two, two different, I think, runs at it. Connections 1 and Connections 2. And it just took a simple concept. And I always talk about this. I used to use it in my classes to put students to sleep, of course. Um, <laughs> how we look at something now and then sort of reverse engineer it, reverse chronology, of course, of how it came into being. You know, that's really fucking interesting because then you, you can look at all these little connections in throughout history going back as the written record or, yeah, pretty much the written record allows us to do and see how they sort of funneled themselves down into something. So 
when we think about the founding fathers as slave owners, as as Puritans, uh, pilgrims, I should say, but you know, obviously that those values were still pretty much into play uh, as we began to further colonize this part of the world. I mean, I do want to believe that the Constitution is a living document. And it was designed that way to sort of stand the test of time. Obviously, it's been, <laughs> it's been corrupted and conflated and amended and fucked around with and so forth because there was obviously things that they could not predict would happen. And again... Slightly myopic and biased in, in their pursuit of this democracy or this constitutional democracy or whatever their intent was for the life of life, liberty, and happiness, the pursuit of freedom, you know, blah, 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 while having slaves and, of course, fighting the, the savages, uh, you know, our lovely indigenous human beings that were already here that somehow we discovered and so there's a lot of lot of stuff in that context that it, it does require a certain bending of the mind to to think that okay can we still accept the framework of the constitution as a way to guide us for governance or are we like other empires that have hit that sort of 250 year mark and and now we're starting to see the decline that's really really a that's a decision for yourself uh, you know I, I make my decision as to be tomorrow it would probably be different um, because I might get more information I might I might make a quantum leap <laughs> I might be in another multiverse tomorrow so, uh, with the French colleagues, especially the one that kind of understood the alignment, what I was saying that was after the French Revolution, they didn't, they didn't go into the religious aspect of it like we did after the Enlightenment with, again, uh, the founding of America and the forefathers and Ben Franklin and all that shit, where we kept, we kept that aspect of God within the concept. So now you got sort of two different countries and societies that are, are restarting themselves after a revolution and they have sort of a similar blueprint but because one sort of remains stuck on the on the Christian side and the other one does away with it, it comes up with two very sort of distinct paths. This is where humanism is important. And I think what is lacking currently is the fact that we're not looking to the classics. So I'm always encouraged when I see people like diving into Stoicism and thinking about Marcus Aurelius or even some of the, the classic novels of the human condition. Again, storytelling, the mythology for ourselves. You know, the, the word myth is not necessarily all negative. 
like fake news, right? I'm talking about the mythology of people and how they sort of relate to this grand mystery. But for some of you, maybe it's not a grand mystery. Maybe you've got it set. And if you do, you're probably not here listening to this. <laughs> but if you're here with me, you probably got questions, just like I do. And you're going to want to figure that out for yourself. But we can also help each other. We can have some dialogue. And we can sort of agree to disagree on some issues. Definitely, I think my positions are pretty clear for the most part. There's not too much you're going to sway me from, except maybe add to my understanding. Especially this whole thing with Roe versus Wade and the war on women and what women should be doing and how can we support that. Um, and so the next thing that, that came up was the IRS. Um, tax-exempt status complaint form. I think it's like 1309. It's a, I'll have it on the website. Too many of these uh, churches. you got to understand, these are the frontline fundraisers. If they belong to larger organizations, whatever else, or even some of the megachurches, you know, the money's will get kicked up. It's not all about buying fucking jets for Kenneth Copeland or whatever else. It goes into these lobbyists, these think tanks, this part of the culture war, sort of how they are winning on the political front by installing their puppets, by installing their zealots. And so if you read the tax code, yes, churches can talk about local sort of bond issues or whatever else that may concern the, you know, the community. But if you have someone up there that is campaigning or, you know, pushing a political agenda, then the law is pretty clear. They're not tax exempt at that point. And this is slowly becoming an effective way. I mean, this is how they, I think they got, oh, whatever that jackass that was running around with his revivals and so forth. They got his, they got his, his, his tax-exempt status pooled. And depending on how bad uh, the situation is for, you know, how much money they actually would owe or whatever else, you get a reward if you fill out another form. And so I think, I think this is an important thing. If, if we want to build that wall, build that wall between the separation of church and state, we gotta start, we gotta start shitting the money bed. We gotta Amber Heard the funding here, you know what I mean? That's all it is. Uh, Carlin, again, was right. And you know, the whole thing about God being bad with money. <laughs> he always needs more, right? Well, fuck. How do you think they've bought these judges and these politicians, you know, from, from collecting all the tithe from, from their sheeple, from their, their, the flocking of the, the sheep? 
again, they're not all flying around in fucking Lear jets like Kenneth Copeland or what's that other fucking jackass, Joel uh, Olstein or whatever else, Mr. Mega Church. Didn't help anybody during the flood down there. With his giant ass mansion. You know they got political connections because they fucking pay money for it. This is this is the late stage part of capitalism is cronyism. It's it's always been prevalent with us. Going back to the, you know, the golden age. The fix is always in. People always want to get their cut. All you got to do is go online, just like I did. I, the first one I hit was Patriot Church. It was so obvious, right? They've got videos of them breaking the law for the tax code. Now, you might laugh at this, this strategy, but fuck. That's how they got Al Capone eventually. They tried everything else, right? They got him on fucking taxes. So pull the fucking, pull the fucking plug on these guys. Pull the, the carpet out from under that. So if they're not tax exempt, at least they're fucking putting money back into the system legitimately. And yes, I understand taxation is, can, can be considered theft and so on like that. I'm sorry to say there's just some things that can't be done by libertarian superheroes. It, it takes government to make things happen. I don't like it any more than anybody else does. But the nature of systems and dynamics is you have to have some kind of governance, right, in order to function. Do I like it? Do I agree with it? No, 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 no. But I understand why it is, especially in this reality. So we can shift it. We can shift the paradigm here. They've been, they've been whooping us on the culture war because we never took them serious. We've been dismissive of them and their magical sky genie <laughs> and their little, little things that they love to do and so on. But from, you know, about Reagan time onward, they started doing the fucking dance with the, with the, the devil draped in a fucking Bible and flag. Not my devil, but that kind of devil. The, the, the worship of mammon and uh, so on. And if that's the case, let's, let's, let's go after the money. I hear, I hear rumblings, you know, the rumblings on social media calling for hackers to get cracking, to be so serious. If you fished money from me, then, you know, try the church down the street, okay? Now, obviously, we cannot bankrupt them. They'll still be able to somewhat operate, but maybe we can at least get them to think twice about using the pulpit as a way of, of campaigning a specific agenda that is rocking us into fascism. And if you don't believe me, talk to your elders. And I don't mean the ones that are fascists. I'm talking, talking about the ones that have survived fascism. They're still around. 
you can still see people that have survived camps that still have the mark on their arms and they'll tell you that this is some fucking fascist shit no one's on board with this of this side of history and the only way that this evil continues to prevail is that good men do nothing because we're fucking mediocre yes all men we have failed so the war on women I have to send in a woman to do the man's job here it's no wonder that that we're getting all sort of soy boy fem, fem boy weak because of hormone structures that are not dealt with and twiddling our thumbs for countless hours on the internet or all this fucking video gaming obsession it's fucking weak and wimpy shit man and meanwhile gals are out there strong independent women are out there fucking grinding in the gym every day I see them my fucking work ethic's a motherfucker I fucking respect the shit out of it when people ask me the kind of training partner I want I'm like oh you want something else I want her like what yeah but she's not a strong I don't make a shit to me yeah I normally say that you can't train me if you can't outlift me on volume but it's pretty rare just like in the bedroom I'd have to say that a man can keep up with a woman you can give it the old try I mean you know that's the Betty White right Betty White says, hey, who wants, who wants balls? What you want is a vagina. That could take a pounding. That old gal knew. And most of them do. Let's face it. Even if you, if you want to go through the whole fucking, you know, Adam's rib bullshit or whatever else, then we'd have to say that the second model was better than the first model. We know that women have an extra uh, subcutaneous area of skin that helps them to sort of heal a bit better, related, of course, to pregnancy. Um, women process language and other concepts like that about 25% better because of its proximity to where they process emotion in the brain. We nurture that by uh, allowing them to express their emotions but I think at this point that's not not so much those old models have been sort of done away with in modern societies and so now women have the the the, the ability and the desire to create their own life without us and the more that I listen to their stories and even listen to my significant former story dealing with my shit it's a wonder that that, that that anyone is still getting married to men and I know this this scares some weak men some LDA some little dick energy men because they're always fucking nervous in the service as it is they got no game they got no confidence because they never learned to fucking you know develop it because of entitlement and privilege and so forth. So that when they're actually faced with these challenges, they cannot rise to that challenge. Weak, chicken shit, myself included. My wife has asked me numerous times to rise to the occasion 
not, again, not in the bedroom, <laughs> to step up my game. And for me, it's always about chronic pain or mental illness and so on. Uh, let's face it, I'm a candy ass. So I've candy assed myself, and I've said this before. And it's a, it's a, it's a good realization to have. Because I know inside that is is the C4, you know? And I think about mythology and the concept of, of women sort of castrating what doesn't impress them. And this goes back to my original adage of not sort of changing who you are when you meet somebody. To, to compromise with them to a certain extent, but, but to try to fit into their projection of you. You'll always be unhappy. And again, coming out of uh, whatever your background is in trauma or um, lack of socialization, whatever it may be, or autistic or ADHD, neurodivergent, not, not fully sort of understanding how to mature in a way that's effective. And everybody's got different rates anyway, so. I get it. I really do. I don't like it any more than anybody else does, but I understand what it is. And so then you go from being a candy ass to being fucking dangerous as fuck because I'm back to it is what it is. So we have to make the decisions for ourselves. First thing we need to do is give ourselves a little bit of a break. Ease up. Take a breath. You're so kind and so generous to everybody else. Jordan Peterson of the 12 Rules indicates that we, we should treat ourselves the way that we would treat our best friend. So learning to have that self-love or self-empowerment is important. Especially if you're going to try to take on the demons or dragons that lurk within in. Right, Skywalker? You gotta go to the dark side. It's a trip. Again, Star Wars mythology, right? But terrible fans, apparently. Terrible racist fucking fans. <laughs> what the fuck? So let's, let's try to love ourselves, at least for today. One more day, right? No matter what the situation is. Uh, 
there's always somebody that's got it worse off than we do. It's not trying to discount your experience, but at least try to put it in perspective for yourself. And go get a book. Fuck this, fuck this phone shit, man. Put that shit on a charger in the fucking closet or something. I've been trying to do more of it. So is my wife, my ex-wife. We know it's a problem. And it may be one of the biggest problems that was in the relationship. But again, when you start getting to ultimatums, you're kind of in a losing battle, right? You know, you intuitively want people to sort of improve naturally on their own. But people change at different rates. But today was a good day. I didn't turn my my brain and my stop mouth into the AK. That's the worst part, is just how fucking vicious I can be sometimes. But I must forgive myself for that. Because I'm emulating behavior that is maladjusted, onboarded. So come back to the prime directives. All right. Got a few minutes here. I got some food that I've prepped, some healthy food, clean food, all these beverages <laughs> that I need to consume, and the rest of my supplements, and then uh, do a little bit of a writing class. As I, my, my uh, VIPs had enough of speaking. She's tortured, but yeah, she doesn't realize that they're going to go hand in hand. So, wish me luck on that one. And I'd love to hear from you. Seriously. If you, if you got some input or some understanding, hit me up. Easy to find. I, I'm willing to listen and learn. And if, 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 again, if I get to the point where my instinct or intuition or vibe says no, then I'll just say, hey, I'm sorry. It's, it's not for me. Or I might tell you, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Pretty famous for that. Ask, ask, ask some of the people that have pissed off over the years so alright stay spicy right spice bring it baby the spice must flow and I'll tell you I nearly shit myself watching Westworld season 4 episode 2 when the Dark Stranger, Cowboy Bill, the murderer, psycho man, whatever else. Told the guy that he was neurodivergent. <laughs> so, oh shit. It's on now. It's on now. Super spicy. So, I guess we're going black hat, baby. Black hat. All right. Keep it real. Love you.